0: Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots, welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome to Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal, live from Washington, D.C. Yes, everybody, this is the week that we came back to Washington, D.C., and we've already made good use of our time Uh, tomorrow is the big day where we meet with the department of education and several other executive departments and talk about issues that are important on a faith-based perspective these are all faith leadership meetings very excited to be involved in this trying to get the federal government out of our religion, out of our churches, out of our private colleges and institutions, and out of our private lives. And that's what's really cool, because what we have now is the uh, executive agents within the executive agency under Donald Trump, who are Uh, at least on the surface, and to a bit of depth, because I've been there, I've been poking around, dedicated to restoring religious liberty principles in the application of federal regulation and federal law. So I'm very excited to be involved in this, very excited to be part of these networking and everything that we did. Let me share a couple of pictures with you of some things that we did already. So on the way to meet with one with the congressman that we met with today, I passed by Ocasio Cortez's uh, office. Now, if you've never had the pleasure of going into um, the the uh, congressional offices and that hallway, then you've never actually seen Ocasio Cortez's mural of Post-it notes. It's absolutely crazy. It, she's the only office like that, and people take, she leaves post-it notes. If you look at the, the picture on um, the one side where I'm standing at the, like, the little music stand, she has a sign-in thing. Most offices have that sign-in thing, but she also has a pen and different colored post-it notes, and she encourages people to come along and post their comments on post-it notes on the wall. I think it's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. Now, you know, (laughs) you know, Chrisanne could not refuse the opportunity to participate in Ocasio-Cortez's version of democracy voice being heard. So right there, on the middle of her door, I posted a post-it note that said, Liberty first for all Americans through our constitutional republic. And I underlined constitutional republic. And so that was my little participation in the Ocasio-Cortez wall. So, I want to encourage you to make sure you go and do that. If you get to Washington, D.C., you should always make a trip to Washington, D.C. at some point in time and get to know what your congressman, what your senator is doing there in Washington, D.C. The biggest problem, one of the biggest problems with governance that we have today is that the people aren't represented, and the people aren't representative because they don't make themselves be heard. Now let's just be clear, our House of Representatives has denied proper constitutional representation. They have not followed the term of number of of representatives per population since before 1920. So in the 1920s, when it came time to reapportion the number of representatives in the House, the House of Representatives simply refused simply refused to do it. And nobody nobody held them to it. Now there's congressional record. Uh, Cyril Brickfield, who was a counsel for the House of Representatives in the 1950s, 60s, I can't remember which one right now, mentioned on the record of this situation where he said, Look, we had this requirement. And we did not do it, not by law, not by amendment to the Constitution, but because we chose not to. Yes, some states objected, but we just ignored their objections. And obviously, the courts said nothing at all, and the executive did nothing at all. And so, since the 1920s, our House of Representatives has been locked in number, which means that some people have one representative by hundreds of thousands of people, tens of thousands, well, hundreds of thousands of people. It's supposed to be one per 30,000. And so the House said, you know, that's not manageable. We can't even do that. And I think what it really was is if we have the correct number of representatives per population of our districts, our, our, our district properly, So that one representative for every 30,000 people... Do you know what happens? That reduces the power. It dilutes the power of these representatives who are in these large congressional districts, specifically the urban areas. So if our urban areas were broke down properly in their proper jurisdictions then we would have better control of Congress and the the, uh, people in the rural areas with smaller numbers would not be constantly overridden by votes and influence and power in the House of Representatives. And so that's just something to think about, right? Because Ocasio-Cortez has way too many people in her district. It should be more than one person but look, they've they've diluted this. So that's part of the problem. The other part of the problem is that we have become so geographically large. Actually, Thomas Paine, was it Thomas Paine or Alexander Hamilton? I can't remember now, I think it was Thomas Paine, talked about how the satellite would be governing the planet, talking about the little bitty England governing the planet of the continent of america now i want you to think about that that's an even greater example here when you have uh 10 square 10 miles square ruling over the entire uh, american uh governments you know the well let's say the, the united states portion of the american continent that's how that wanted to come out that's how it worked in my head it just didn't come out like that in the first time so you have little bitty 10 miles square ruling over the united states portion of the american continent that's an even greater difference in size and back then they said it would be ridiculous to have england ruling over us so now you have people in washington state in california in nevada who would love to come to Washington DC and govern over their governors. And it's just simply not possible by geographic restrictions. But I do want to impress upon everyone out there that it's absolutely essential that your US house rep know you by name. Because here's the thing, can't your rep can't possibly know everybody in your district. But the people, that your rep do, that, that your rep does do know, does know. My goodness, what is wrong with my brain today? The people that your representative actually knows will have the influence. See, that's the real advantage. You how how do the how do the lobbyists rule over the people? Because they're there in the offices, making their influence known. It's not just about kickbacks. If you had a large portion of your population, I mean, even just a percentage of your population, visiting your representative personally, in person, whether it be in Washington DC or in their district office. And I mean, not their aid, I mean their pers- them in person. That would be like a hundred times power the dollars of the lobbyists. Because look, even though your presence may not represent the money that the lobbyists represents, your presence represents whether that person is back in office or not so they can get the money that the lobbyists are handing out. Do you see how that works? Our power is greater, not because we are handing out checks, but we hold the ability to limit their access to power and influence. And your presence is so very important at this. Let me show you what I mean. Now, we met uh, in the office of Ross Spano, U.S. Representative for the Congressional District in Tampa, Florida. You can see in the picture me. I just happened to be talking in that picture. And we talked about a a number of things. One that was very, very important to me was a new piece of legislation that is coming up for vote that calls for the immediate, the immediate withdrawal of federal fundings for any colleges that interfere with freedom of speech in religious speech so if the college is is uh persecuting is is discriminating based on religious content of speech and you've seen these professors do that we know this happens this bill and I don't have a bill number yet but as soon as I do I will have it for you this bill would call for the immediate and unquestioned revocation of federal funding. Liberty's lobbyist Chris Ann Hall has now taken control. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Had a really great day in Washington D.C. I just want to send—I mean, the big day is tomorrow, and we've already made huge progress uh, and and gained lots of information and shared information with uh, Congressman Spano, with Congressman Spano's office, and I'm really really excited about the the exchange of information. I want to mention to you that in my 10 years of experience in this political world. I have come to the undeniable conclusion that the people that the representatives in Washington, D.C. have as a whole have no idea what's going on. None whatsoever. They don't even know what they're voting for when they're voting for bills. They only know what someone has told them. Now they'll tell you there's simply not enough time to know everything that they're voting for and everything that's going on. Well, that's absolutely true, but that's why they have staff. The bottom line is they know as much as someone tells them. And if you don't sit down and tell them your perspective and your concerns, they have no, absolutely no, no association, no influence, to help in these situations. So we talked about this piece of legislation that would immediately withdraw funding from colleges that receive federal funding for discrimination and persecution based on religious beliefs. Now these are obviously only schools that receive federal funding. If you don't want to to have the federal government telling you what you can and cannot teach, don't receive federal funding. I mean, that's the bottom line. And don't tell me you have a right to federal funding. You don't have a right to federal funding. Federal funding shouldn't even exist in the academic world. There is absolutely no constitutional authority for the federal government to take from people and redistribute wealth to colleges. That is not an, That is not. a delegated power Within the Constitution, it's not a delegated power to the House, it's not a delegated power to the Senate, and it's certainly not a delegated power to the President of the United States. So getting them to withdraw funding for these kinds of discrimination are absolutely a step number one. So don't tell, text me if you're watching on YouTube. Don't, don't put in the Facebook comment, Chrisanne, are you defending this funding? No, I'm not defending this funding. But we have to start where we can start. We sat down with Ross Spano's office and we talked about how the federal government is interfering with private colleges that don't even receive federal funding through regulations in the Department of Education, through regulations in the departments uh, that rule over colleges. He had no idea that the Department of Education has regulatory restrictions on private colleges that receive no federal funding and so that was another thing that we talked about which was very very interesting to Ross Spano's office they had no idea so I told you they can't know everything they had no idea so we brought it to their attention and now we have a promise to work together to make other legislators aware to fix this problem, to get the federal government out of our education system. So I don't know how many people actually know that. Even private colleges that accept no federal funding still are ruled and regulated by the Federal Department of Education in one way or another. And we wanna stop that. So that's part of what we did. Get the federal government out of our colleges. They don't belong there. So thank you for your support to help us get there. If you're watching me on, if you, if you follow me on social media, if you follow me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, uh, Facebook, you'll notice that I put up a post. I did a little short one-minute video outside the Supreme Court building. That was a lot of fun. So if you want to see that video, go ahead and go there and listen uh, to that little video on um that i did outside it's just a minute long there's a new book that was cut co- that came out today called the called killing the planet you can get it at amazon books a million you can get it uh um at killing the planet book.com this book is an amazing book i helped write the judiciary section and there's an epilogue at the back that i wrote as well when we come back from the break i want to tell you more about this book because i talked about it in that video in front of the supreme court building can't learn the easy way you'll learn the hard way chris n hall she's liberty's lobbyist Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Hey, let me ask you a question. Are you watching us on Roku, Samsung TV, Fire Stick TV, and Apple TV? Monday through Friday, we are on the Oath Keepers channel. And then Saturday, a special program every Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern time, on the Oath Keepers channel called Constitutional America where I take current event situations and teach the Constitution to learn how to control our government. If we don't know the standard, How can we know what we're supposed to be fixing? If we don't know the standard, how are we not going to inadvertently, maybe with good intentions, support the wrong standard? So that's what I do on Constitutional America. Remember, if you're a student at libertyfirstuniversity.com, you also have access to these Constitutional America programs 24-7. You can stream at your own Uh, leisure and learn from them at your own pace. Let me tell you about this book, Killing the Planet, Killing the Planet, written by Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, written by Dr. Paul L. Williams, will teach you the secrets behind the cabals that are actually overthrowing America, and you don't even know it. This is actually the sequel to a book called The Killing of Uncle Sam, and this book, is, is about weather control. This book is about the destruction of our judiciary through private corporate rule. This, is, this book will teach you about how oil ruled the world and how the, the Rockefeller and their oil monopoly killed alternative fuels in the early 1900s you follow rockefeller and and his and carnegie and these these guys who have actually taken over america through their oil industry through their corporate rule this book is an encyclopedia of truth and secrets that people don't want you to know yes you can find a book about uh, the Federal Reserve. Yes, you can find a book about Rockefeller and the oil industry. Yes, you can find a book about how the judiciary has been taken over by private corporations, a private corporation called the Bar Association. You can find books about all these things, but these, all these things are consolidated in one book like an encyclopedia called Killing the Planet. Once again, killingtheplanetbook.com, amazon.com, books a million. Make sure you pick up this book. Let me know about what you think about the judiciary chapter and about the epilogue that I wrote. This is this is this is one of those life-changing books. It really really is. So, I'm glad that I was able to give you an update On our trip to Washington, D.C., in the show tomorrow, I'll tell you how the big meetings went, uh, how the big meetings go tomorrow, but I want to talk to you about a Huffington Post article that is just absolutely a brilliant teaching tool from one minute to the next, from one line to the next. All the way from top to bottom, just one long, lengthy, extensive teaching moment after another, beginning with the very title. Now I don't know who Jennifer Ben—I I, I don't know who Jennifer Bendery is. It's also—I um, uh, don't know who she is. I don't know where her politics come from. I guess we can just pretty much guess. But I, I, she's apparently constitutionally illiterate, she, which, by the way, is not an uncommon affliction in America. The headline says, Trump keeps picking unqualified people to be lifetime judges. Now, we don't have to read the next line because she's just a partisan hack, I'm guessing, here by this title, but... What's the problem, students, Liberty First University students, what's the problem with that title? Lifetime judges. Federal judges do not hold lifetime appointments. That is absolutely nowhere in the Constitution. Let's go ahead and read Article 3, Section 2, because that's the part that really, really matters. The judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court and in such inferior courts as the Congress may from time to time ordain and establish. The judges, both of the Supreme and inferior courts, shall hold their offices during good behavior. That is the term of their employment, good behavior, not lifetime. Do you know why they have lifetime appointments? Because we don't hold them to the standard of good behavior. 95% of the people who sit on benches in the federal courts to include the Supreme Court of the United States have absolutely no business whatsoever retaining their position on the bench. Actually, at Liberty First University, We have a course on the federal judiciary where I go through Article 3 line by line. We talk about how the founders, uh, what they meant when they wrote the Constitution, what they meant when they created the judiciary, and what they meant by the term good behavior. Because it wasn't a good, but it's good for you to do whatever you want behavior good behavior is a judge who does not substitute their will for the constitution translation into modern terms a judge that is not an activist judge a judge who is an activist judge is violating the terms of, of their term of office violating the standard of their office engaging in bad behavior and they are to be impeached impeach period So I'm not kidding when I tell you 95% of the judges in the federal court system, to include the Supreme Court of the United States, have no business keeping their positions. They have all exhibited, not just one time, not just two times, not just three times, but a continual pattern of bad behavior. So problem number one. Problem number one. Judges don't get lifetime appointments. Now what's interesting is... They, She describes people who are unfit to be federal judges are people whom the Bar Association has deemed unfit to be judges. Now, let me ask you a question. What you know about me listening to the way I speak about the court system, listening how I speak about politicians and politics, listening how I speak about judici- about the the federal government as a whole, how I speak about the Constitution. By show of hands, how many of you think that Chrisanne would get an approval rating from the Bar Association to be a federal judge? Ha <laughs> ha! I'm laughing with you. I know. So, uh, a growing number of Trump's court picks, she says, are slipping through despite earning a rare and embarrassing not qualified rating by the... Oh my goodness, can I actually even say this out loud? Please help me. I'm Just understand, I am reading this. I am reading what she's saying. She says, a quote, not qualified rating by the... Part, See, I almost couldn't even say it. The Nonpartisan American Bar Association. Goodness gracious. Nonpartisan. I'm just trying to guess. What exactly makes an organization today nonpartisan? I'm sure they would probably tell you that the American Bar Association was also a constitutionally sound entity, meaning that they, they subscribe and adhere to the Constitution, which would also be laughable, but nonpartisan. I wonder if that just simply means they don't profess an affiliation, a public affiliation to one party or another. Do you suppose that's what nonpartisan means? Because they're clearly not nonpartisan in their political assertions, in the way they lobby Congress, in the things that they stand for and don't stand for. Not nonpartisan. Maybe it's my confusion. Maybe I want them to be nonpolitical. So they're political, they're just nonpartisan. See, I can't even say that either. Because yes, they are political. But if you follow the American Bar Association, I don't think you'll ever find a position in the American Bar Association that doesn't line square up with the Democrat Party. So maybe because they don't attend Democrat Party functions as an organization, you know, they don't they don't buy tables at their events or. But they do. I I don't know. I I can't describe. Again, I'm just trying to figure out what this woman's talking about. Because there's nothing nonpartisan about the American Bar Association. And. She says the ABA, which has reviewed each of the president's judicial nominees for decades, decades, mind you, just decades. I mean, what in the world could we have possibly done about placing Supreme Court justices before the American Bar Association started telling us who was qualified and who was not? Well, let me tell you, let's see. <clears throat> Who would be qualified and who would not be qualified, according to the American Bar Association? I just, I really just have to shake my, shake my head about this. So, the American Bar Association has been um, vetting these people for decades, she says. Decades interviewed 60 people in its assessment of uh, a judicial nomination by the name of Van Dyke, including 43 lawyers and 16 judges. It found that Van Dyke's Dyke's colleagues would not say affirmatively that he would be fair to any litigant before him, notably members of the LGBTQ community. Now, look, I want a judge to be fair to everyone, but I want to know... Who these people interviewed? Because I know where the American Bar Association stands. Why aren't we seeing these kinds of hearings public? I'm going to change all the things I the Chris Hed-Hall Show. justices do not have lifetime appointments. They are there for good behavior. Now I'm not arguing that a judge who is found by their peers to not be fair should not be fit. But what I'm I'm asking you is this premise that the American Bar Association is a um, the American Bar Association is a Uh, non-partisan, non-biased entity is completely wrong. They are absolutely biased. They are absolutely partisan. How do I trust them to find people who simply will not say what they want to say? One judge earned, one judicial candidate earned the even more rare distinction of a unanimous not qualified by the American Bar Association, due to her very substantial gap in trial or litigation appointment. I just, I, I, I wanna know why are we relying on the, on the American Bar Association? Do you know how many judges actually ever as lawyers went to court and practiced law? Do you know how many lawyers ever see a courtroom does that mean that they're not fit to be judges? Does this mean that they would not follow the constitution, that they would not know how to apply the law? I don't I simply don't understand this. The American Bar Association is being viewed as a peer-related group, which would mean that it would have to have a broad representation of the people who practice law. The Bar Association does not have a broad perspective, does not have a broad representation of all the people that practice law. The American Bar Association is a myopic view of a few lawyers who are handpicked because of the way and the ideologies that they hold. And the idea, once again, that this non-governmental corporation, elected by no one, influenced by no private individual, controlled by no electing entity, would have and that's this that's what that's what she's trying to tell i'm reading from my cell phone that is what she's trying to tell you this private corporation not government not elected not controlled by any human kind of person controlling government ought to have the final say on who gets to be a judge or not, how your court systems work. For the last few decades, they have had the voice. Can I ask you how that's worked out for us? In the last few decades, they have been the deciding factor in politics on who gets to be a federal judge or not. If their picks are supposed to be the indication of the true ideology of the American Bar Association, how do you explain the overwhelming infection of activist bad behavior judges in the federal court system? Look, I'm telling you, this has not worked for us. And it will not work for us. When a private, non-governmental corporation that is controlled by no person in America other than the corporate holders has a deciding factor in who creates our judicial system, who is in our judicial system, these people then make the laws. Because remember, most people in America believe that a judge's opinion becomes law. So now what you, I want you to make this connection. What you really, really have is a non-governmental corporate body of biased, completely biased lawyers making law in America and you can't elect them out of office. You can't replace them and you can't control them. I say it's about time we start ignoring the American Bar Association. And let's let our congressmen, let's let our senators and our president vet these people based on their character and based on their constitutional aptitude and leave the American Bar Association to be a think tank somewhere where they can pool their own ignorance and bias. God bless you guys. See you next time.